This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein, here to talk about a Packers <laughs> victory. <laughs> victory Tuesday, since we took the holiday off. Um, now that we've stewed in it for a little while had some time to digest the game, figured we would yeah. talk about it because there's there was a lot to like, especially from the offensive side of the ball, probably only from the offensive side of the ball. And uh, then we'll dive into the rest. But Perry, how are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, as someone who does not celebrate Christmas, I do appreciate a long weekend, you know, <laughs> got some rest, got to watch so much football, oh, got to spend God. so much time with my niece, really no complaints. Um I hope you, anyone who did celebrate, had a lovely celebration with their family, relaxing, no drama, uh, (laughs) happy times, good presents, good food. Uh, For those like me who did not, also wish the same for you. Um, We could have had a better Christmas Eve, I think. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you feel. It was a win, but it doesn't feel like a win because it was just such an unnecessarily difficult win. It just, it did not need to come down to the wire like that, did it? It it didn't feel like a win because it felt like if there was one second left on the clock, the Panthers would have tied and sent it into overtime. Like, that's why it doesn't feel like a true victory because it felt like the Packers were saved by the bell and not by any, like, thing that they actually did in that game. And once yep. again, Bryce Young looked like an all pro. So like, he, well, but let's, we'll save it. We'll save it. Right. We said we'd start positive. We'd talk about the offense. So let's do that. Right. Going into the game, Jordan Love didn't have Jaden Reed, didn't have Christian Watson, but there was still a ton to like, he played really well, continues to put up really impressive performances, no interceptions, two touchdowns, a rating of 109.1, only 17 completions, not a ton um, in the passing game on Sunday, but 
what do you think of Jordan Love? He and, didn't. He didn't need a ton of completions because right. they had Aaron Jones back. They rode Aaron Jones. Packers finally had their first over a hundred yard rushing game of the season. Only took how many weeks? Um, but to answer your question, you know, I just think it's again really unfortunate to me that we focus week after week on these kind of abysmal defensive performances. Uh, when what we should be talking about is how good our quarterback looks Mm -hmm. Um, because over the course of the last, I would say, yeah, six games, Jordan Love has thrown for 1,578 yards, 13 touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown and one interception. He looks so good. He looks so composed. He looks so poised. Obviously he's still missing like a few layups here and there, but he, doesn't every quarterback? I mean, we all watch Patrick Mahomes scramble around trying to find his receivers the other day. Like everyone has their struggles right now. Um, I think he looks every bit the part. Um, and as we said, all we need to see over the course of the season is whether Jordan is it. And like, I just feel ever the more confident as we near the end of the season that Jordan is it. Um, he looks awesome. He's tied for third in the league right now in touchdown passes. And you should see the guys that he is in the conversation with right now. It's like Josh Allen and Tua. Um, and that doesn't even include, you know, his, that's just thrown passes. He has a number of rushing touchdowns as well. Um, this game, he hit 30 touchdowns on the year. So just like continuing to stack really impressive numbers deserving so much of the title of being the Packers franchise quarterback and doing it without, you mentioned it already, a number of his weapons. They also lost Wicks halfway through this game after he caught that touchdown pass. Um, They still don't have Musgrave, right? So he's down to like the skin and bones of his offense throwing to Romeo. The ever-present Romeo, by the way, can we just, like, <laughs> give Dobbs his flowers for just like being the most consistent? Um, but Kraft, Bo Melton, obviously having Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon back, Malik Keith. So I just think it also shines a spotlight on Jordan Love is what he's doing is being even more impressive because he doesn't even have all of his top weapons out there. So very happy. Yeah, and I mean, that was one of the the narratives going into the season was like, how would he look without a vet presence at wide receiver? He didn't have a Devante, right? Like he didn't have a true wide receiver one that would elevate him and make his job easier. That was one of the reasons everyone was so high on Adam Thielen going to the Panthers, right? Because Bryce Young would have a reliable, knowledgeable vet in the room. And the Packers didn't have that. Their vets were Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. So like you said, yeah, the, the Packers still don't have a player with over like 800 yards from scrimmage. It's A.J. Dillon right now that leads the team. And over like three quarters of those yards, two thirds of those yards are rushing yards. So their highest receiver right now is Romeo Dobbs with 646 yards. Probably not going to have a thousand yard receiver this season. And that's okay because we're seeing like Tucker Craft quietly puts up 60 yards. You know, like that's what's fun is seeing Jordan Love work with all these different pieces without having a true wide receiver one in his offense, in his arsenal. I think that's what makes the offense more dangerous because you account for a guy like Romeo Dobbs or you account for an Aaron Jones. And then all of a sudden there's like Bo Melton on an end round. And you're like, okay, like <laughs> like there's this yeah. wrinkle now. So kudos. I to do Mel. think though, I, I want to know your thoughts though. Cause I do think though that 
I mean, we'll see. But my thought process, though, is that in year two or three, someone is going to emerge as wide receiver one. one. Yeah. Like, I, I think spreading the ball around should always remain part of this offense. And I think it will in the way that Matt LaFleur likes to call plays. But I think you can tell who Jordan's, I don't want to call them favorites, but who his maybe security blankets are becoming, at least when they're all out on the field. And it'll be fun to see who emerges as more of like the top target once everyone is healthy. I have my hunches, but we won't know, I think, until like year two or three in this offense. But I, I think someone someone's going to have to emerge as that top you know, wide receiver one that's going to draw all of the defenders their way. It, if Jaden Reed doesn't put up a thousand yards next season, I'll be surprised. Same. Like I, I think it's him, but so yeah, I mean, offense looked really good. You know, I know the Panthers had a struggling run defense already, but nice to see Aaron Jones, you know, the Packers finally get a 100 yard rusher. Aaron Jones coming back just really changes the offense. It's so, you know, special <laughs> to have him on the field. Fun to see Ada Dillon get into the end zone after not getting in since like what week one or two. Like it had been a really long time without him in the end zone. And you know, I thought that yes, the Panthers have a terrible red zone defense, but I liked what the Packers did in the red zone. You know, always room for improvement, but you have to capitalize. That's one of the things we said. You can't leave points on the board, especially against bad football teams. And the Packers were able to put up 33 the most since week one against the Bears. So nice to see that from the offense. This was your red zone get right game. And I think putting up 33 is getting right. Um, I have to say, I did call that they would put up over 30 in this game. So I feel I feel pretty good about it. And again, like if the final score is different and we'll get to the other side of the ball, I think we're talking about this game very differently. Um, we're talking about how this Packers offense just, I mean, everything they did looked easy. They were moving the ball up and down the field. And that's, and we said in our preview show, you know, this is a, a very good secondary. Um, Evero is someone that I think a lot of Packers fans wanted to come to Green Bay as defensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur had a lot of good things to say about him, and he's had his secondary look great over the course of the season. So to watch the Packers and Jordan Love be able to move the ball against this Panthers secondary in what looked like a very easy, I mean, smooth like butter, pretty much way without a lot of his top weapons. Again, it's just nice to see if you are a good football team, you should be able to beat up and put up points against a bad football team. Um, And that's what they did on this side of the ball. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So I want to segue, obviously, to talking about the defense, but I want to ask your opinion on this because we, for most of the season, you know, are and I are relatively high on Matt LaFleur going into the season. And I'm just curious, because we know we're going to shift into talking about Joe Barry and the defense, if the way that Matt has handled the Joe Barry situation, if you're thoughts have changed at all about Matt LaFleur as a head coach, or if you still think he's like the best guy for the job? No, not at all. Okay. Um, I think he has another opportunity to do the right thing. And I want to see what he does with that opportunity. Now, depending on how this offseason goes, there's obviously room for my mind to be changed. But as of right now, I don't see a world where I want Matt LaFleur to not be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I don't see a world where that is the right thing for this team. I think you make a change at DC, you make a change at a few maybe of the other coordinator or position coaches as well. You get this defense on the right track and this team is in a really good spot to win games next year and beyond. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, it's hard because we talked about it after last week's game where he was kind of in between a rock and a hard place where if you truly aren't comfortable with the rest of the coaching staff or with anyone else to be able to even step in, then are you really putting your team in the best position to be successful if you get rid of your DC? But the thing that I think is driving me just a little bit nuts about the whole thing is like Joe Barry to me is like the carriage from Cinderella. Like he's the carriage, right? And he's got like the white horses and the gold accents against the lions and the the chiefs. And you're like, okay, like looks pretty good. And then like Tommy DeVito comes out and Baker Mayfield comes out and Joe Barry turns into a pumpkin. And instead of Matt LaFleur saying like, okay, like we can't really get home in a pumpkin. Like he's like, I don't know. Like gourds are good for you. Like pumpkins have a lot of nutritional value and you're like, Matt, the pumpkin doesn't have wheels. Like, we can't take a pumpkin home. And that's where my brain is. <laughs> like, that's to me. Like, Matt just goes so hard. And I'm like, Matt, he's a pumpkin. We can't get home with a pumpkin. Like, what are you doing? You have a Cinderella story of an offense. And Joe Barry's a pumpkin. If you're not watching the video version of this, I'm <laughs> dying laughing. Uh, that's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. He did. It turned midnight. It's 2, 3 a.m. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. The pumpkin is rotting. And it's Matt, time like, to go home. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know how to continue on in the analogy. However, I do agree with you. And I think there's been a lot of questions, right, of like, well, is it worth, you know, moving on from the pumpkin? And I think to your point, I guess I can continue on the analogy, is when you have rot anywhere, the only thing to do is get rid of it. Otherwise, it festers and it spreads, right? A rotted out pumpkin that's not going to get you anywhere, especially not where you want to go, is only going to make whatever situation you're in worse. It's a distraction. And I don't know if the guys on this side of the ball just don't want to play for him anymore, feel like they have nothing. I don't, it looked like they did not want to be out there in this game. 
it just looked like they could not have cared less. There was no fight. There was no contested catches. Adam Thielen is 85 years old. He is wide open in the middle of the field. You made Bryce Young, who has not thrown a touchdown pass in weeks, look like another all-pro. He threw four. Like, and again, I think you and I have had this discussion on the show before, and I'm going to reiterate it again here. If you do not like the calls, and Jair had a probably a contested interview after, and I'm not going to make my commentary on whether it was like whether he should or should not say the things that he said. I think players should be able to speak their minds at some point. They play the calls that are called. It is what it is. I don't think they look like a team that wants to play for this coordinator any longer. And my thought process is if that's the vibe, you have to do something about that. Because if you have an authority problem, if you have players who don't want to play for your coordinator anymore, I don't care if it seems like it's not going to change anything or there's only two games left. That's bad. That's just bad. It's rot. The pumpkin is rot. (laughs) It's rot in the locker room and it's going to spread. And at the same time, the other thing I would say, if I could, to that side of the ball is, if you don't want to play for your coordinator, play for your offense. Your offense is out there doing its damn best, putting up 30-plus points, right? Play At least play for your quarterback. Play for your own offense, your Cinderella story, right? You have a chance to go to the playoffs still. And we can talk about my thoughts on whether, you know, what to do if that's still a possibility. But I get that you feel like you've given up. And I and this goes back to, like, last season, too. Do you remember, like, halfway through the season last season in the locker room, like, the guys like Keyshawn and Rasul were clearly, like, really unhappy with what was happening on that side of the ball before they had their, like, big, like, four-week run. Like, this is not a new thing that these guys are unhappy playing in this scheme. This is, this is, this is, this is not, this is, this has been, and it's festering. And again, it goes back to your question before is like, do you put this on Matt? Yes. He has the chance to do something about it. You can do something about it. Even if you think nothing's going to change. If you, even if you go, oh, and two, you miss the playoffs, you're probably going to go, oh, and two and miss the playoffs anyway with Joe Barry. At least tell your guys, hey guys, I hear you. I back you. I'm going to do something about this for you. And, and that's the thing is like, I agree with you. Matt LaFleur is the best guy to coach this offense right now. I like the scheme he utilizes. He's great for the offensive side of the ball, but something now has to be done to the defensive side of the ball. And even if you just look at like the culture change of the Raiders with Antonio Pierce, they got rid of Josh McDaniels and all of a sudden guys are like dying to play for Antonio Pierce. And he goes out and he beats the chiefs and he beats up like on football teams that he's not expected to win. And the Raiders have a shot at the postseason. Will they get there? Probably not, but it was a culture change. And that's why, you know, there's all this narrative now about like, maybe the Raiders need to actually do the right thing and make the hire. It's the same thing that they did under Rich Passaccia a couple of years ago. If you don't think you have an interim DC fine, but if you want to give a guy like, I don't know, Ryan Downard, your safeties coach, like somebody who's been in your system a long time. If you want to give them a shot at maybe elevating their career elsewhere as getting a DC position later on down the line, give them a shot for a couple games. Let them call the plays. What is the worst possible thing that's going to happen? You lose two games. 
okay, this wasn't like projected to be a, a playoff team anyway. And I know the Packers are never in like tank mode or anything like that, but you just have to set the tone because yeah. to go out there yes. and like, you're going, you're also going to one of the hardest places to play for the Packers. Like you're going to Minneapolis, you're going up against guys like Justin Jefferson. If you have Jair and guys that are acting like they don't really want to be out there or play for Joe Barry, if Jair's like, you know, F it, my shoulder hurts. I don't want to be out there. And you have like your fifth, sixth, seventh corners out there against Justin Jefferson. Like, why did you even show up? Like, why did you get off the bus? if there's nothing to play for. So I think you just need some type of culture or energy shift, even if you know, like your entire defensive coaching staff might not be back next season. Who cares? Like blow it up two weeks early. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. That's my thing is that if this is something you're going to do and it could change, it has any kind of percentage possibility to change the trajectory of your season at this moment. Cause right now it's like you win out, you have a chance to make the playoffs. You don't win out. You're not making the playoffs. And yes, maybe you should have done this after the Tommy DeVito game. We're past that at this point. So right now, the way this defense is playing, in my opinion, they're not making the playoffs. This defense is not going to play well enough where they're going to make the playoffs. So what do you have to lose by making a change? If you, it already looks like you're going downhill on that side of the ball, but your offense is playing well enough to get you there. They are. It's what lose and miss the playoffs or make a change, potentially still lose and potentially still make the playoffs or win a couple of games uh, behind someone new galvanize the guys say all the things we just talked about spark I hear you. We back you. We want you out there. We've heard all of your complaints, all the things, player led team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to do it, just do it. I do understand why people are like, what's the point? The season's almost over. The point is that the Packers can still make the playoffs. If the Packers were like fully out of the playoffs now, I'd be like, yeah, there's, no, I mean, just finish out the season, YOLO, maybe lose out, get a better draft pick. But that's not where we're at. This young team, especially this young offense and our quarterback, could have a chance to go experience a playoff scenario. On the road. You know now. it's going to be on the road, yeah. Yeah, that is invaluable. And they just need their defense to step up for them. I mean, we saw it against the Giants, right? They're averaging like 13 points a game. The Panthers, 29th point, like they're 29th in the league, averaging 15 points a game. And you gave up 30. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And we talk about like the definition of insanity. And we've said it on this show for like the past three years. Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And Mm -hmm. I don't care if like, okay, Joe Barry played a little bit more man, like that's it it doesn't matter to me at this point because mm-hmm. it's so far gone that even if he like all of a sudden came out and was like I'm going to actually rush for I'd be like too late like you know what I mean like it just what can you do now at this point it's not like he's going to win his job back in two games yeah my other thought process is it gives other coaches two weeks to call up Brian have some conversations Know that the Packers' DC job is 
open for business. You get a jump start on figuring out who you want next. Yeah. Which is something that I think they historically haven't had, which again, is a good thing I'm not going to complain about, but when you're making late playoff pushes, but know you're going to switch coordinators, you're behind the eight ball already, mm-hmm. right? Because all of the teams who miss the playoffs, who fire their coaches, they're already in, they're interviewing, they're ahead of you. So you have a chance now to say, like, you're kind of, you can be in a good position where you're waving the flag saying, hey, you can come interview here. It's open. <laughs> We're actually going to give maybe a guy in the building an opportunity. We're going to galvanize our guys, see if we can make the playoffs. If we can't, Everyone knows we're open for business and we get to interview and figure out who we want next. I just yeah. don't see why this wouldn't be what they do. And also accountability. Yeah. We do not stand for this level of play. This is not up to our Greenway Packer standards. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part is week after week, you get Matt LaFleur up at the podium and he says things like, it's on me if, you know, the offense needs to not go three and out as much and I need to call a better game. And like, you appreciate the accountability from a head coach. That's what you want from a head coach. He shouldn't be like placing blame, but it's so detrimental to your defensive players when you hear things like, you know, it's it's like the, the finger gets pointed at everybody but the person that the finger should be pointed at. And I, I think that's where you lose the locker room. And we talked about it. You saw, you know, we don't have to talk about Devondre Campbell's tweet and those kinds of things. He said he wasn't going to talk about it in his presser. But, like, players start to have frustration, and there's no way to really vent that out in, you know, the most productive channels. But this is something that's been a culture thing for the Packers defense for a long time. It's like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith going to Mike Patton and saying, hey, can we blitz a little more? Like, what the hell? Like, why are we playing so soft? And then Mike Patton makes a change. I don't know if those conversations are happening. If like Jair is going into Joe Barry's office and saying, Joe, what the hell? Like, we don't know any of that. But the fact that it repeatedly happens with defensive coordinators means that you need like an entire overhaul of that, that coaching staff, that side of the ball. And I think you need a new kind of culture. We've seen the same kind yeah. of hires the last couple of years it's, it's time for a change. And the longer they put it off, just the, the worse it looks for the entire front office and for Matt and for, you know, Mark Murphy and for Brian Gutekunst and everybody at 1265. Yeah. And you've, you've turned the page on offense. You did all the right things. You ripped off the bandaid. You made the hard decisions on mm-hmm. offense. The so, hardest one you could have made. Exactly. So I don't know why this one that shouldn't be that hard is seemingly like becoming the hardest one to make full rebuild mode should be full rebuild mode. Don't waste this beautiful rebuild that you've done on offense that is going so swimmingly well on a defense that is 30th in DVOA because Jordan love is he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to carry terrible abysmal defenses to NFC championship games. And he shouldn't have to. And I mean, I think part of it too is just you look at the way that everything is going with the Packers very clearly are trying to invest in the defensive side of the ball still. It's like they keep making these home run swings, especially in the first round with players. It's like they think the players are going to get them over the hump. And I know the argument is like players, not plays. But when your players can't play in the scheme that they're being given, 
it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Brian Gutekunst. And it's like, I like to draft press man corners who are very physical. And Joe Barry's like, well, I don't like to do that. I'm going to play them in soft off coverage. And you're like, okay, well then maybe we should have drafted some guys that are better at zone. So like, there's just such a disconnect. And with all of the investments that have been made for the last decade, I mean, this isn't a new conversation that we're having. When Lucas Van Ness was the pick, Twitter exploded and we were like, wow, I saw that coming, you know, mocked an edge rusher to the Packers for the entire month because it just was predictable something just they have to change some aspect of their culture at some point and if you're going to keep drafting the same types of players then you have to start running a scheme that's going to actually fit the players that you're drafting otherwise you're gonna have to blow up the whole thing and lvm is starting to look really good like he's starting to look really comfortable rushing the passer but you know in this game i'm looking at the team stats and and again like you're playing the worst team in the league They have already fired their head coach. They would have the first pick in the draft if they hadn't traded it away. They had more total yards, right? 394. They had more passing yards than you, 298. You held them to 96 on the ground. Okay. You still almost let the Panthers run 100 yards on you with Chuba Hubbard. 6.3 yards per play. 26 first downs, 26 first downs, six for 13 on third down efficiency, one for two on fourth down efficiency. And that one fourth down, I mean, my God, you just like, let them walked it, let them walk in <laughs> tied on total plays 63, three punts. And they won time of possession by three minutes. A better football team will beat you if you let them do that to you. So once again, I don't know how you don't hold your coordinator accountable when they continuously, week after week, put up these numbers. And again, I'm not like, I think a lot of people in the comments are like, well, you never hold the players accountable. I will always hold the players accountable when I see them doing things poorly. But this game, they were running the scheme. But they looked like they just did not want to be out there. And I, quite frankly, don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was like that weird thing that LaFleur said a couple years ago. Like, wake up with your piss hot. Like, you had to, like, bring the energy and the juice to these games. And the defense just... I mean, it just wasn't happening. And it's like you said, it's hard. It's like when you have a bad manager or a bad boss at work and you love your job, but it's so hard to come to work every day because you don't value the person that you're working for and they just expect more and more out of you. And you all of a sudden like lose your love for the job that you really enjoyed because of the person above you. And you hate to see that because there's good players that are going to you know, everybody's talking about like, oh, Jair's not going to play in Green Bay. Well, then that's a problem. Like whatever happened, if that's truly because you kept your DC too long, then shame on you. Because when he was healthy, he was an all pro corner. And if he now doesn't want to play because of the culture, that's not a Jair problem. That's an organizational problem. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you because again, at the end of the day, this league is about the players It's not about the owners. It's not really about the coaches. It's about the players. You fit to the players. You drafted them. They don't choose where they go. You choose them. You bring them in. So you do them a disservice when you bring them in and you don't treat them right. 
Okay. Well, if you didn't know, if you're new here, we're team fire Joe Barry. Um, we're going to come back with a Vikings preview show. So we'll have a better sense of injury. Packers are not practicing. Today's Tuesday, December 26th. Packers are not practicing. I don't believe we will hopefully by the time we record our preview show have a Matt LaVert press conference as well. So get a sense of where things are at within the organization. Um, so the, hopefully that'll be interesting. Some interesting tidbits. Um, but the Packers did win and they're still in it. So it is technically a victory Tuesday. Like the most somber victory Tuesday of all time, but Thank you for hanging out with us for these last 30 minutes and, you know, kind of recapping the game with us. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast and on all other social platforms at PAX, what she said. If you are listening to us, thanks so much for downloading the episodes. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you liking and subscribing to the show if you don't already, because that really helps us out. But we will be back, like Perry said, in just a couple days to preview the Vikings, talk about the playoff picture that the Packers are somehow still in. And <laughs> yeah, thanks as always for listening and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.